Hello and welcome to Living Your Legacy. My name is Liz Cribbs and I'm a senior strategist on the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team here at UBS. The mission of our group is to serve as a thought partner for exceptional families. We understand that our clients' needs extend beyond the purely financial, so we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing their wealth for continuity. Part of this is working with our clients and their families to help them articulate and implement a legacy. We believe that legacy is built in everyday decisions, actions, and in achieving goals, philanthropic and otherwise. Through our dialogue, we hope to inspire and guide clients to explore their purpose and begin building their legacy. Our guest today is Danielle M. Reyes president and CEO of the Crimson Bridge Foundation. Danielle has over 25 years of experience in leading and designing innovative philanthropic programs and partnerships, and she is going to share her story and touch on some key questions that are on the minds of our listeners, including when is the right time to hire a professional to partner with me on my family philanthropy? How do I think through living and leaving my legacy? And much more. Danielle, welcome to UBS Living Your Legacy. Thanks so much for having me today, Liz. So we have conversations all the time with clients who have been blessed with financial success and are in the process of paying it forward. Some have specific philanthropic visions and others are overwhelmed by the options that are out there. Many are successful business leaders and experts in their own professions, but at some point on their philanthropic journey, they realize that philanthropy requires expertise too. And if they want to achieve scale and impact, they need help. Danielle, what advice would you give our listeners as they're trying to get serious and strategic with philanthropy? Well, this is really a wonderful time for anyone seeking to become more intentional and strategic with their philanthropy. As you know, the field of professional philanthropy has really grown and diversified, in part due to technology, but other drivers as well. Today, there are many more giving platforms and philanthropic structures for people to choose from, and there are also more experienced professionals and advisors available to work with donors than ever before. Yes, that's definitely true. As for um, next steps, I really think it begins with establishing a vision and then determining how involved the donor wants to be in selecting recipients, developing partnerships, designing the grant-making practice and programs, and so on. So as a launching point, I'd offer your listeners the following questions to ask themselves. First, what am I passionate about? What is my vision for what I'd like my philanthropy to accomplish? What is the impact I hope my giving can have? And then second, beyond dollars, how involved, engaged, hands-on do I really want to be in this philanthropic work? These answers can really help us identify options and then develop a plan to put the philanthropy into action. These are great questions for our listeners, Danielle. This work really can feel complicated, but there are concrete starting points and ways to come up with an action plan like you just laid out. So thank you for that insight. I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned, which is experienced professionals, because many of our clients are contemplating moving in that direction. Can you expand on that a little bit more in the philanthropic landscape? Yes. I mean, 
have university-based centers and graduate studies in philanthropy, and there are dozens of annual conferences for philanthropy professionals to attend. And this was not the case when I entered the field 25 years ago. So the landscape of professionals working in philanthropy has really grown. And as someone who works in the field, I can see why. Experienced professionals can really offer donors efficiencies and results when it comes to their time, matters of compliance, knowledge, and, of course, having strategic impact. So depending on what kind of background and experience a donor feels they need to support their giving goals, there are really a variety of successful models out there for them to choose from. Can I offer a few specific examples? Yeah, that would be great, Danielle, please. So for people who want support, guidance, grant administration, working with an existing philanthropic organization that has staff who serve multiple clients and also has the infrastructure needed to deliver their grant making is a really great option. Here I'm talking about reaching out to public foundations such as community foundations or operating foundations that work with individual donors. And there are also private options such as philanthropic advisory services through philanthropy firms and some financialists. But for those who are ready to work directly with a part or full-time designated professional within their company or family office, hiring an experienced private philanthropic advisor or a consultant to design and administer their giving is another really effective option. And of course, then there's the entrepreneurial endeavor, endeavor of starting and staffing your own foundation which is what we did. Thanks, Danielle. There really are a lot of great options and resources out there. It's funny, I feel like I have the best job in the world as part of UBS's family advisory and philanthropy services team, being able to partner with our clients on their philanthropy. But I do want to focus now on the very last point you made, which is starting and staffing your own foundation. I'd love to hear about your journey with our client, Gabriella Smith, the founder and director of Crimson Bridge Foundation. Sure. When I met Gabriella Smith, she shared with me that she had been an active anonymous donor for more than 15 years, and she was serving on several nonprofit boards. She'd been doing her private charitable giving primarily through donor-advised funds, but with the youngest of her children approaching college, she was really interested in being more involved and bringing her past professional and lived experiences into her philanthropy work. So she believed that starting her own foundation, one that would be professionally staffed with experts from the fields she was investing in, would be a more effective philanthropic platform to design and launch innovative programs, collaborate with key partners, and potentially have impact at a larger scale. That's so interesting uh, hearing about Gabriella's journey. So how did she find her way to you? Well, in a coffee shop, but that was... Uh, arranged by a friend, Gabriella had shared with a fellow board member who worked in executive search that she was ready to hire a full-time program director to build her foundation. Well, that woman knew me from my work in the sector. I had just left a, a prominent private foundation in D.C. where I'd worked for more than a decade, um, and I was looking for a leadership opportunity. So I agreed to meet Gabriella over coffee, and within one cappuccino, we discovered that we had a lot in common. We'd both gone to Harvard and both chosen the path of getting two master's degrees. And perhaps the greatest connection was that we really believed in the transformative power of education. Gabriella shared a really big vision 
uh, her passion for communications and technology. And she told me she was looking for a strategic thought partner who really knew philanthropy and was deeply familiar with the nonprofit sector. So I was very excited by her plans and her desire to be entrepreneurial and her interest in building something together. But um, I told mm-hmm. her at that time that what she really was describing was an executive director. And the following month, we started working together. I love it. She definitely listened to the professional there. That's great. Um, so how long ago was it when you and Gabriella first got started? Oh, my gosh. It was seven years ago that we launched the Crimson Bridge Foundation. Uh, we started as a private foundation, not a family foundation. And we had one and a half paid staff and grant-making programs in three main areas, education, leadership development, and capacity building. So interesting. And I'd love to hear how things look today, but I'd also like to ask you, what is the difference between a private foundation and a family foundation when you made that distinction? Sure. So essentially, they can be the same. But in this case, the foundation's not driven entirely by the family. So this is really Gabriella's personal work. Uh, She decided this was her philanthropy, her project and goals. Um, Although we do have um, two of her children serving on the board, at this time, it's really about her philanthropic vision and goals. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why she chose to call it the Crimson Bridge Foundation as opposed to naming it after their family. That's actually really helpful. Um, Yeah, and just tell us a little bit about, you know, how things look today. Sure. So today we are structured as a team of six staff with an endowed operating foundation. We've got also an affiliated LLC and donor advised funds through an entity we call Crimson Bridge Group. And through all these platforms, we award more than a million dollars a year in those same three program areas. Excellent. So now one more question. I can't help but ask this. All of your experience, um, both before you got to Crimson Bridge and then during the creation and and, um, execution of all all of your work here, what are you most proud about when it comes to the work that you've done at Crimson Bridge? Oh, I love this question. There are so many (laughs) things. Um, We've seen really incredible developments from a number of our partnerships from our education imperative to our LeaderBridge initiative and our first-generation college success program. But I think I'm most proud of how we do our work, which is so true and core to who we are as people and as a foundation. You know, we really believe it takes more than money to make real lasting change. So we believe in collaboration and meaningful relationships and taking a partnership approach with grantees and community members. And it's a lot of work, but we have a lot of fun and we love designing programs and collaborating with others and really investing in more than a grant transaction. Thank you so much for sharing that. It it seems that you have a lot to be uh, proud of. Um, Just to get concrete for a minute for our listeners, can you give us an example of, of this partnership approach? Definitely. So our partnership approach is about going beyond the investment of a grant, going beyond that transaction. It's using the talent and professional experience and networks of our team. So it's taking a philanthropic partnership approach is 
based on investing human, social, and financial capital to achieve as much impact as we can. I'll give you a, a specific example, actually. Um, okay. You mentioned our work in first-generation college success, which is a real issue facing our nation. As so many students are just not making it through college to graduation and onto meaningful careers. So many donors support scholarships. But the data is clear that scholarships alone are not enough, and students mm-hmm. need other supports. They're looking for a sense of belonging, mentorship, emergency aid, access to mental health services. And there's a real opportunity for scholarship donors to support these needs as well. So by Crimson Bridge taking a partnership approach, we're working and learning alongside regional and national nonprofits higher education institutions, research organizations. And as we support research and a variety of student-centered supports to address these challenges, we're we're learning. And in fact, we're currently putting the final touches on a free guide for donors related to college success and for donors interested in like us, going beyond scholarships and truly investing in college success. Well, that, that's such a great example. And it's funny, we talk to clients all the time about scholarship funds because they really do want to pay it forward, and education is such an important foundation to do that. Um, how can our listeners find out more about this when, when this publication comes due and just learn more about your work? Oh, thank you for asking. So, the free College Success Funders Guide will be available on our website, crimsonbridge.org, this summer. And we're really hoping it'll serve as a, as a resource and a tool for donors who believe in education and who want to make college success, you know, a reality for, for thousands of students headed to college in the fall. Great. Well, I will definitely be waiting for that to come out. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And now um, our time is coming close to the end. So for the final question that I have, and this one is actually about you, Danielle, um, and really speaks to the purpose of this podcast, which is living your legacy. Um, how have your contributions to the Crimson Bridge Foundation and really your, your 25 years of experience doing this work helped you craft your legacy and what's left to be done at this point? Oh, thank you for this question. You know, in every job I've ever had, I've asked myself what my legacy will be, what impact am I going to have here, and how do I want to be remembered? It's something my dad used to ask me. And I'm passionate about philanthropy as a vehicle for creating change and and exploring ways to be more entrepreneurial in philanthropy. So I love that I get to do this at Crimson Bridge. I think the best legacy for me would be to be remembered as someone who encouraged and inspired people, including my team, to embrace their role and be an active part of the positive change they want to see in their community. I mean, there's always work to be done. It's, it's, it's work that's never ending, right? But it's positive work. And, you know, if, if I could leave a legacy, it would be that. That's so inspiring, Danielle. I really like the way that you put that. It's not about philanthropy, but really just philanthropy as a vehicle for creating change. Um, I think you're you pretty much ticked the box already on your legacy, but keep it going because you're, you're doing a lot of good. 
Um, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for sharing um, a little bit about yourself and your purpose and legacy. You know, as well as just giving our listeners another um, just guidance as, as they're uh, traveling along their own philanthropic journey. It's really been a pleasure to have you with us, and we're so grateful for your time and insights. Thanks for having me, Liz. I also want to thank our listeners for sharing in this journey with Danielle today. If you're interested in learning more about the Crimson Bridge Foundation, you can visit crimsonbridge.org, one word, crimsonbridge.org, and tune in each month as we will be publishing a new episode on Living Your Legacy, which will explore inspiring stories like Danielle and Gabriella's on how others have worked toward defining and contributing to their legacies. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.